0: Hey what's up everybody and thank you for checking out the Derek Diamond Experience. This week we will be looking into the world of fantasy football with fantasy football analyst Mr. Paul Charchian. But first, I want to tell you about a fantastic new album from my close friends, the Unicorn Wranglers. It's called Murder Mystery Night and features 10 original tracks including their new single Carne Asada and Twin Peaks which happens to be the theme song of the Derek Diamond Experience. Murder Mystery Night is currently available on iTunes, Amazon, Google Music, and Spotify. And if you're interested in booking them for shows, like them on Facebook, just search for The Unicorn Wranglers, and don't forget to follow them on both Twitter and Instagram, and those handles are at uwranglers, that's at u-w-r-a-n-g-l-e-r-s.
1: You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network.
0: This is Derek, Derek. Diamond, Diamond, Diamond... EXPERIENCE! Hey, what's up everybody, and welcome to the Derek Diamond Experience. As always, I am coming to you from the mean streets of Pensacola, Florida. It is Monday, May 11th, 2015, and if you are listening to this on Monday, I would like to wish a happy belated Mother's Day to my mom and to all the other moms out in the world because we really appreciate what you guys do, and in my mind, you don't get enough credit for everything that you do and the sacrifices that you make to make all of our lives just a little bit better. It feels good to be back here on the Derek Diamond Experience, doing the whole podcasting thing, and being back on the Nerd Cave Network. Uh, for those that follow the network Facebook page, you know I posted an announcement a few weeks ago saying that I was going to be taking a brief hiatus from the network. And the reason why is because, as I've explained on this show several times, I have a very busy job. That takes up a lot of time and sometimes can cause a lot of stress. Well, between that, doing the podcasting and all the other activities that I'm involved with, I was really stretching myself pretty thin to the point where it was actually starting to affect the way that I worked. So once that happened, I decided that it was time to kind of take a step back from everything so I could actually clear my head, recharge my batteries and it's been a pretty relaxing last couple of weeks, but I am glad to be back. Uh, this is my official return to the network, so I will be back with this show every week, uh, doing the Nerd Cave on weeks that I don't have baseball games. But it's good to be back. It feels like slipping on an old, comfortable pair of shoes. And for those that may be listening to this show for the first time, uh, my name is Derek Diamond. I am broadcasting this from Pensacola, Florida in the Gulf Coast area, Northwest Florida. I work in the production department for the Pensacola Blue Wahoos baseball team, which is the A affiliate of the Cincinnati Reds. And to basically describe what the show is about, it's a weekly guest-based show where I interview someone, whether it be in film, TV, sports, uh, art, authors, really anybody who I think has an interesting story to tell. And I do have a few really great guests lined up over the next few weeks, and I will uh, reveal those uh, as as the weeks unfold. But this week, I have a very special interview for you guys. And this is something that was not really my doing. It was actually my friend Nick, who is a co-host on our uh, comic book show, Time for Comics. He, like I am, is a huge fan of fantasy football. It's one of the things I look forward to every year. Draft Day is like Christmas in August, and you'll get to hear that exact phrase here in a little bit. But he's been following this guy named Paul Charchian, who broadcast a weekly radio show out of Minnesota called Fantasy Football Weekly. And Nick's been following this guy for years. Nick is from Minnesota as well. And he reached out to Mr. Charchian and asked if he would do an interview for one of our shows. And he agreed to it, and we sat down last week and uh, finally did the interview, and it was really, really informative. And I didn't know this, but Fantasy Football Weekly is actually the nation's longest-running fantasy football radio show. And that just blew my mind when I found that out, because he's been on the air, I think, for 20 years now, 20, 21 years, something like that. But still, that's unheard of, and I mean, it's it's crazy, and I just thought that was really cool when I found that out. But we got to talk with him about uh, his show, obviously, uh, the 2015 NFL Draft, which just happened a couple of weeks ago, and what rookies he think might have an instant impact in the world of fantasy. And he's also a big fan of video games and hosts a video game show called Video Games Weekly. So you'll get to hear some video game stuff as well, and we talk about Star Wars a little bit, and this is very much a a nerd-centered episode of the show, I think. But it was really fun to do, and I appreciate uh, Nick for reaching out to Mr. Charchian for this interview, and it was a lot of fun to do. And Nick actually is a guest co-host this week, and I thought he did a really good job Uh, We did a good job with, you know, bouncing questions off each other and everything. So thank you, Nick. Uh, It was very much appreciated. And I hope that you guys enjoy this interview. So sit back and enjoy this wonderful conversation we had with Mr. Paul Charchian. (laughs) welcome back to the derek diamond experience here with a very special guest he is the host of the nation's longest running fantasy football radio show mr paul Charchian. and paul welcome to the show
2: thank you derek and nick happy to be here
0: well, it's very, very good to have you. Um, first thing I wanted to, uh, to ask you, I know your show is based out of Minnesota. Are you from Minnesota? Uh,
2: I've been here since 1977 when I was a kid, and Star Wars had just hit theaters. I remember seeing it in the theater. That's how old I am. And um, so, yeah, I, I consider myself a native of Minnesota.
0: Nice, nice. Yeah, I, I actually wish I was old enough to have been around when the— the first Star Wars movie came out because I, I heard stories from my parents, but you know I didn't see the movies for the first time until the special editions came out uh, in the late '90s. It was, you know, let me assure you that however big you
2: thought it was in you know in your mind, it was bigger then. I mean, you know, in the in in 1977, you had so few options for entertainment compared to today that it, when something you know, when something had as big of an effect as Star Wars did, it, it it was everywhere. It was inescapable. And, you know, at the time, it you know, it's just so much bigger than life than any one thing really ever is now. Because, you know, I just think, you know, industry I just think, you know, we're we're just a much more fragmented society. And I mean that in a good way because there's just so many more options for entertainment than we had in the old days. Now You've got you got a, you got a million things that that tug on your arm, and a million good things. I mean, you know, Game of Thrones is you know some of the best television that's ever been made, and there are a lot of people that don't even watch that. It's just so much good. There's so many good things to distract yourself with, and back then there was so little. And um, I, you know, it, it's hard to it's hard to have people understand now how big a deal Star Wars was then.
0: Oh, definitely. I mean, even with the new trailer that came out, you know, with it basically. I guess, to coin the phrase, blowing up the internet, because when when it came out a few weeks ago, people were just going crazy. So even, you know, so far removed time-wise from when the original movie came out, for it still to have that big of an impact, despite all these new things like you mentioned, like Game of Thrones, uh, you know, shows like Breaking Bad, Daredevil, you know, all these other shows, for it to still have that type of impact is pretty impressive.
2: Well, no, it, it really, well, it really is. And the fact that, you know, George Lucas did completely kill it off with his three ridiculously awful movies. You know, it's so <laughs> obvious now that, that it, we should have had Harrison Ford and Luke Hamill in the, you know, in these next series of movies. I mean, it's going to be a huge draw. Not that you needed, you know, what are now people in their forties to watch these, you know, these other ones, but, you know why not take advantage of the fact that those that that Luke Hamill and Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford are of an age where they can still meaningfully put together a movie. You know why not use them? You've got you know once they're in their 70s or whatever you can So you may as well use them while you can, and I think they're going to be huge draws for this next film.
0: Oh no, I I completely agree with that, and it, it's it's going to be it's going to be a long wait until December, but I, I think it'll be worth it. Yeah, for sure. Well, because, because Lucas doesn't have anything. To do with <laughs> um, so what gave you the idea to start your uh, radio show? As I mentioned, you're the host of uh, Fantasy Football Weekly, which airs, uh, leave us every Saturday during uh, football season. And it's the nation's longest-running uh, fantasy radio show, which uh, to me is pretty impressive. But ha- how, what gave you the idea to start that? Well,
2: you have to, you have to rewind the clock to pre-internet. I mean, this was 95, um, 90, yeah, 1995, and the at the time, you know, especially pre-internet, there was you just couldn't get fantasy advice anywhere. You could get some preseason fantasy advice. There were a couple of magazines that came out in the summer, and then that was it. And so people would people would call into the talk radio stations, the sports talk radio stations you know, while they're in the middle of breaking down, you know, something else, you know, Lakers and Celtics, and people are trying to sneak in their fantasy questions. And so um, our station manager at the time knew that there was a ton of pent-up fantasy interest and wanted to find a way to get those people to stop calling all the regular shows. And so we uh, we devised this two-hour outlet for, for fantasy players to get fantasy information and, and advice and You know, twenty. This will we'll be starting our twenty-first season here uh, in August, and that'll be. um, You know, it's it still continues today. I mean, the show has changed dramatically in twenty-one years, but you know, I I think a lot of the, I think a a lot of the original impetus to just you know have an outlet for fantasy guys still remains.
0: Oh, definitely. And I I came along uh, a little bit later into fantasy. I believe the first year I started was, two thousand nine. But since then, I've been totally addicted to it, and it's honestly one of the things I look forward to the most uh, every year is doing fantasy drafts, because you, you never know who you're going to yeah. get, and you want to see how you know the rookies do that are drafted. But um, one thing I did want to ask you specifically, uh, we just had the 2015 NFL draft. Uh, what were your thoughts on it from a like a fantasy perspective? Like who are some of the rookies that you think might? be standouts fantasy wise in their first year?
2: Well, the two, you know, the two running backs that were in the first round If Todd Gurley can can be in game shape relatively quickly. I think he's going to, I think he's going to be great. Um, and it's just a matter of how, how quickly that knee will let him play on it. My My optimistically, I, you know, I hope obviously sooner than later. And, um, if it, if it can, then, then he'll be great. The, you know, a better position, though at least for 2015, is Melvin Gordon in San Diego because the Chargers desperately need help at running back, and they jettison just about everybody other than Danny Woodhead, and um, they they need they need what he can bring. In. And Melvin Gordon is ridiculously hard to catch if he can get past the line of scrimmage. After the line of scrimmage, you give that guy any space, and his his speed combined with his elusiveness is virtually unparalleled in, in college. And I think he's going to be absolutely fantastic. So I, I just think there's, there's, a, there's a ton of, of reasons to think that good things will happen with him. And I'm, I'm pretty confident that he's going to have a, a very good NFL, NFL career, and especially, um, especially this coming season. You know, at the at the wide receiver position, we had six wide receivers going the first round. Six. Yeah, it was I mean, insane. It, I think you look at it is insane. You know, it used to be to, not to keep going old guy on you, because that's all this that's all this interview has been. <laughs> but when we first started our when we first started our, our fantasy football magazine, Fantasy Football Weekly in nineteen ninety three, we used to talk about how third year receivers that was the big year was third year was the big year for wide receivers. And what's happened is it eventually became second year was the breakout year for wide receivers. And now it's like, you know, what have you done for me in the first year? So now it's all about first year wide receivers. And, you know, we've seen, you know, based on what you saw last year, you know, Mike Evans and Odell Beckham. And it's just, we now expect immediate results from our wide receivers. And this is, this is a relatively new thing. And, yeah, I, there are a couple of guys that I think are in great positions. Um, I'm a, I especially like the opportunities that Nelson Aguilar has got in with the Eagles because mm-hmm. the Eagles, that's you know that's going to be a team that needs that will always throw the ball often. And I, I like that part a lot from what they're from what they're very likely to end up doing. Um, you know, Kevin White's in a great position in a, in a high-powered offense. I think he's got a, a very good opportunity. Amari Cooper. Nobody loves the Raiders. Nobody. Not even, you know, I don't even think Al Davis in his, in his undead crypt has got any <laughs> affinity. He even thinks that the Raiders are, are suddenly going to be, be very viable. But, you know, that's all they got is Amari Cooper. Everything's got to go through his hands, and he's so pro-ready. I, I really like him, too. So I, I think there's going to be some good opportunities out there. You know, It's, it's still early. We don't know how everything's going to shake out yet. I mean, you know, as we're talking right now, it's, you know, moments – We're literally, you know, not even 48 hours from the draft. So Mm -hmm. it's still very early now in the big picture. I'm I'm really optimistic about a lot of rookies this year. And I think it's going to be a better, overall, a better rookie year than I I think a lot of people realize.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I I agree 100%. Well, I'm I'm glad you don't feel like you have to. Nobody else ever does. Oh, no. no. I I wouldn't say it if I didn't mean it. (laughs) Oh, sure. um,
1: I'm really intrigued by, by your idea of the Empire League, and I wish that more people knew about it so I could take part in it. Could you kind of run over that fast and just kind of explain to it for the, for the listeners?
2: Well, I love the Empire League. So the idea is you take a regular dynasty league, and we're juicing it up by doing this. We take half of the money that everybody throws into the pot, And we give half of it out at the end of the year to the winners for that year. And half of it goes into a rolling pot that's waiting for a dynasty league team that wins in back-to-back years. When you go back-to-back with your dynasty league, you get the pot. And to tell you how much this ratchets up, if you're in a 12-team league with a $125 payout, and somebody goes back-to-back in years five and six, that's a $5,000 payout. So, I mean, it, it can wow. ratchet up really, it can ratchet up really quickly. You could get some, you know, an amount of money where you're like, wow, that's, you know, I could really do something with that. And yeah, because and it's, it's a I dynasty think... league, somebody can go back to back a little bit easier than they could in a, in a redraft league, you know, in theory, in a dynasty league, if your team was really good last year, it could be really good this year. So that's the, that's the idea behind a, uh, behind a, an empire league. And, and Nick, thanks for bringing it up because I... I love this way to play, i think it's I think it's super fun I'm in a couple of them and um i it's 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 starting to spread now for an idea that you know we we really just dreamed up a couple of years ago
0: no i, I this it's, is the first time i've actually heard of this and i I think that's a genius idea i I, I love it i wish I wish my my keeper league has started doing this uh back in two thousand and nine because we've never had a back-to-back winner so you could only imagine you know how big the pot would be right now
2: right I mean I, I don't know your entry fee Derek but you know if your entry fee was even 100 bucks uh, you know you could be sitting on a six or seven thousand dollar pot for somebody who goes back to back that's part of the beauty of it is you know <laughs> when when somebody wins man do you have a target on your back I mean the oh, yeah. whole league is gunning, gunning for
0: you <laughs> to <they're> not win it yet Oh, absolutely. Fantastic. Absolutely.
1: And after being in this for, for so long, Church, do you have a place where you kind of see fantasy football in the future going? Do you think it's something like FanDuel, or do you kind of see it veering off somewhere else?
2: Well, season long's here to stay. It's not going to go anywhere. Um, that's still 95% of fantasy players are playing season long. So, you know, I'm, I'm not worried about season long going anywhere. Um, I do believe that daily is super fun and people are going to keep playing it and it's going to keep growing. And FanDuel and DraftKings are going to be very successful. Yahoo is entering the space this summer. PokerStars is entering the space this summer. And I think both of those are going to be very successful as well and they're going to be very well funded. And, um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm super optimistic about where, where those are going to go from an industry standpoint. And, um, you know, what we keep finding in, in the season-long stuff is that people keep adding complexity to their league. We just talked about the Empire League. You know, it, it took – in 1995, we published our very first mock auctions and our auction values. We were the first magazine to do it and because we wanted to start adding complexity to the game and adding new ways to play. And people keep keep layering on top of those kinds of ideas. And I think that people – as they continue to play like more and more complexity and sophistication to their fantasy play. So we keep finding new rules and new ways to play the game that make us feel even more attached to our teams and feel like it's an even better representation of what happens on the field.
0: No, definitely. And I, I, I've only done FanDuel. Um, I've only done FanDuel for one season. I, I've mostly done season long and I mean, they're, they're very different. And I, I do like, you know, From the FanDuel side, with it being you pick a different team every week and you have a chance to win, but I love the draft process. It's my favorite part of fantasy is just assembling your team and then you know, riding it for the rest of the season. I mean, you play off the waiver wire, of course, but there's just something about the draft, especially if you can do it in person with your entire league. It's, it's just so fun.
2: Draft day is Christmas in August. Oh, absolutely! We love draft day. Mm-hmm.
0: I I totally agree with that. Yeah, you spend weeks or months, you know,
2: plotting out your strategy and how you want it to go, and you know, you, then you know, it all comes down to you know your last minute decisions and do you stick to your plan or do you deviate from the plan and you know, and then the you know, you get these guys that your 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 wagon is hitched to for four or five months and it's um you know it's it's there's so much. There's you know, so much wrapped into it, all the, all the bravado and all the smack talk and, you know, all the planning and the strategy. And, you know, it's, it's, draft day is a great day. And, you know, for a lot of us, it's, it's our one time of year to see all our buddies in one place in one time or you know, a group of people. You know, uh, there are thousands and thousands of, of, of frat leagues, of mm-hmm. guys that, you know, met in a frat house that, you know, since then everybody's gone separate ways and gotten different jobs in different cities, but they all come back on draft day. And that's part of what makes it so special.
0: Yeah, it, it can also be, like you said, like a, a reunion of friends that you don't get to see, but maybe once or twice a year, and draft day is is one of them. So, no, that's, that's a great point. Um, you also host a video game show uh, called Video Games Weekly. Uh, what gave you the idea to, to do that?
2: Well, you know, one, it, 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 it's just a personal, you know, It's an area of a lot of interest for me. Video games, you know, get in line, right? You know, along with all of your listeners and every male under 35. And, um, and it's just something I've always enjoyed. And it just so happens that Game Informer magazine is in town. And um, I was able to get connected with Game Informer. And there's just a ton of great guys there. And so um, I was able to convince the editor in chief, Andy McNamara, to uh, to start just try as a trial, just you know see if this video game show idea would have legs. And um, Andy did it for a while. Then we switched to one of his editors, uh, um, Matt Helgeson, and uh, now here we are, year seven of the show, and it's uh, we're now on our third guy. We just started with um, sort of the second in command there, Andy Andy Reiner. And, um, Andy's been in the magazine 20 years. It started out as a, like a 17 year old and it's, um, it's, it's great. I mean, we've got, you know, it's just, it's, you know, people think it's funny. I talk to people and they're like, oh, you've managed to make a living in fantasy football and video games. I don't make anything in video games. It's, you know, I just love talking about it on Tuesday nights and, you know, being able to, to, to hear people's passion for video games and break down new games. It's just something I really enjoy doing.
0: Oh, Absolutely absolutely and i'm i've been a, a video game player since i was 4 and i grew up you know with the nes the super nintendo so i've all, i'm a nintendo fan at heart i always will be but these days nintendo is needless to say they've fallen behind sony and microsoft what's something you think that nintendo can do uh, to save themselves or basically catch up to sony and microsoft
2: well, number one is they got to stop making value-based um, consoles. I mean, I, I think all their consoles to this point—not all of them, but most of them, and especially recently, and especially the last two—have been based on a gimmick, pre, uh, a gimmick idea, without any significant hardware. And so they've been doing value-based hardware and a gimmick. And then when the gimmick fails, they don't have the hardware to back up on, to back up with it. And so, you know, when you want to play Call of Duty, you can't even play Call of Duty on their systems. It's, you know, it, you know, or Battlefield and, you know, they've been ridiculously slow to adopt any meaningful multiplayer platform. So, you know, so many people that's why they get their consoles. They want to play with their friends and against their friends. And to have a you know, when you're buying a Nintendo, you, you, it's still great for playing on the couch with each, with each other, which does count for something. And I'm not discounting that. Um, but, you know, increasingly, people want to play multiplayer online and they've just eschewed that whole market. And it's one thing to have done it on the Wii when the market was relatively untested, with the exception of Microsoft Live. But to've done to, but to have doubled down on a on a non multiplayer platform with the, the Wii U was was and remains borderline absurd so they have to get their multiplayer platform in shape and they have to stop making hamstrung hardware that's designed to, to give them a hundred dollars of profitability with every console you know the, the, for, for the hundred dollars they make when they sell a console, they end up losing so many more dollars on the units of video games that they don't sell because nobody buys, you know, people just don't buy discs for the Nintendo hardware. You, you end up, you end up with people that go the entire life cycle of the Nintendo Wii or the Wii U owning four discs. Mm-hmm. You know, they're supposed to get paid they get paid on every disc. And, because they they built a hardware platform that third parties have zero interest in, they aren't making any money on that. So they have to build. They have to. Their next console has to be, I think, I if they want to become relevant again, the next console they make should dramatically leapfrog the PS4 and the Xbox One in terms of hardware processing power, and I think that would be a step in the right direction.
0: That's true, and to me, you know, being a Nintendo fan when you play the games like the Zelda, the Star Fox, the Mario, when I play those, I feel like a kid again. And that, to me, is the appeal of Nintendo. But like you said, they have to branch out elsewhere if, if they want to be relevant again. Yeah, and those are all great brands,
2: right? And great games. I mean, the Mario games are all great. They are, you know, they've done, you know, their first-party games are fantastic. But, but, guys, I mean, at some point, I want to play Madden. I want to play Call of Duty. And they don't even make those for that platform. I mean, at some point you can't, you just, you can't be relevant on just your handful. Nintendo's handful of original first party IP.
1: Um, Charge. I've been, I mean, like you both said, playing games since I was little. And I, I have a four year old right now. And it's really right. hard for me to get, a, get him into it because of the dual sticks. They're, they're, they're just a little hard for a four year old. So yes. I've been. I I went back to NES and Super Nintendo, and I've picked them up for him. And I was wondering if you have a, a good suggestion for something as a family for us to get into to to help him to get into it a little bit more, as as a father, like.
2: You yeah, said. you know, I started my four year old. Uh, my my daughter's nine now. Um, when she was four, was before it was the PS3 and Xbox 360 era, and I weaned her. On video games by playing Fishing Frenzy, Fishing Frenzy, and Fishing Frenzy Two, and um, it's a one-stick game in which you um, you start as a small fish and you eat incrementally. You eat a bunch of smaller fish and then you grow so that you can eat bigger fish, and you grow so you can eat bigger fish. And that was our that was our introductory game, and that's a that's a very safe one to uh, To get a four-year-old in, and you play cooperatively. So you're playing, your daughter, your son is playing. You said it was a son, right? There? Uh, right, Nick? It's a four-year-old son. Yes. Yes. What's his name?
1: His name is Jackson.
2: All right, I like that. So Jackson, you and Jackson can sit on the couch. You'll do a lot of the heavy lifting, but Jackson yeah. will play and he'll legitimately play. I don't, I don't mean like that trick you always pull on your kids where. You you're playing with a controller and then you hand them a controller that doesn't do anything. It's not plugged in <laughs> and it's not connected. Not that bit. I mean, yeah. you know, it'll actually play a bit. And so that's that's a good game to get. That's a good game to get started on. Fishing frenzy. Well, thank you,
1: you for
0: fishing that.
2: Frenzy
0: too. Yeah. Oh, great. That's great. Um, last thing I wanted to ask you. Um, when will Fantasy Football Weekly be back on the air, and uh, do you have any social media, maybe for the show or for yourself, uh, that you'd like to plug?
2: Well, um, we the Fantasy Show starts the first Saturday in August every year, and because the NFL season is effectively a week late, because just the way... The way that Labor Day fell, and they they never start up. They start the weekend after Labor Day, and it's all pushed back. I think we've got five uh, August shows, or five preseason shows, uh, which is great. And um, in fact, I think it might even be August 1st, Friday, August 1st. I think. I don't don't hold me to that. Um, And so we'll do, yeah, we'll have a bunch of preseason shows. We'll uh, do a couple of shows from the Minnesota State Fair. We'll do our fantasy football training camp uh, here in Minnesota at uh, Canterbury Park. And, um, yeah, so that's it. If people want to follow me and hear more video game and fantasy football talk, which is what I'm usually talking about, uh, they can do so at Paul Churching.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you very much for uh, coming on the show. This was great.
1: Derek, Nick, thanks. Good talking to you. Thank you, Charch. It's, it's an honor to, to get to talk with you. Well,
2: it's uh, not support not everything you do that and you're
1: It well, is. Thank
2: you. I appreciate the kind words.
1: Honor. Uh, let's not
2: go to the honor level though how about how about it was not a completely wasted 30 minutes how's that (laughs) i'll take it all right thanks guys
0: thank you once again to mr paul charchian for that wonderful interview and it, it got me excited for fantasy football already and it's not even officially summer next week we will be looking into the world of hosting tv shows with the host of the Indie Lounge talk show, Miss Mandy Del Rio. And you'll definitely want to check that one out. It was good talking with a fellow host of a show. But don't forget, you can check out all of our shows on nerdcavenetwork.com. We're also on iTunes and Stitcher Radio for all of you uh, smartphone users. Every Monday is the Derek Diamond Experience. Tuesday is the Nerd Cave Podcast. Wednesday is Fist of Monkey. Thursday is our friends over at the Pop Culture Palette. And every other Friday is Time for Comics. So until next Monday, I'm your host, Derek Diamond. Thank you so much for checking out this week's show. And we will see you guys next Monday, March 18th.